Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm Tom King and with me to talk the Singapore Grand Prix, as usual, it's Chris Evans. Hello. And Stu Greenwood. Hello, everyone. We are somehow going to make an average Singapore Grand Prix <laughs> fill usual episode time, so <laughs> prepare you know yourself, what? gents. <laughs> right, like, it wasn't the best race in the world, but actually it gave it's given us, I think, quite a lot to talk about. Would you yeah, not agree? I'd agree. I, I, I actually think for a Singapore Grand Prix, it was probably above yeah. average, which we always expected it, I think, didn't we? We, we said going oh, into yeah. it that we didn't have sort of hopes of it being a spectacular race like what some of the others have been this season. So we kind of knew it was going to happen, but I suppose we should talk about it. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's, One let's thing that in. was spectacular starting early on in the weekend was probably Hamilton's qualifying lap, don't you think? Yeah, probably. <laughs> One of the all-time greats, I would say. Yeah. That 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 lap, I in all my years of watching Formula 1 and and watching classic Formula 1 from years gone by, I have never seen a more balls to the wall lap than that in my entire life. It's like Senna in Monaco level of just full commitment, isn't it? Yeah, nothing left on the table, just all out attack. It was amazing. Although it is also worth mentioning Verstappen's lap. Like obviously Hamilton got all the plaudits on Saturday and rightfully so, but Verstappen was only three and a bit tenths behind in the end. Yeah. And he lost about four tenths on the straights alone. So he was absolutely ragging it around as well to stay that close to Hamilton. So yeah. both of them just full commitment laps. Yeah, yeah that- I'd, I'd agree with Max deserving some plaudits as well, just because like you say, it's it's the lesser of the three top cars, isn't it? Mm. So to get himself sandwiched right in between a Mercedes and a Ferrari is impressive in itself, I guess. Mm. Chris, you shared with us a really interesting graphic um, all about the who was quicker where Lewis and Max and you can see in the corners where Max Max obviously has the much better car through the corners and he was making so he's such a good car in the corners that he was making so much time for him only to be three tenths down and, and let's not forget he was he was struggling a bit with uh, some drivability issues from the engine as well and gearbox yeah I think that was about yeah. the only lap of the weekend where his engine actually did its job for a full lap <laughs> yeah because he was, because I think he actually the lap he got close to Hamilton was his first running Q three, and I think I remember hearing that his second run he was actually on to go even faster, but then he got a a cough from his engine and sort of had to abort it because obviously once you start losing power in an already down on power car, then you're not going to be improving on your time. But um, yeah, damn impressive all around. Yeah, it's. It's a little bit of a shame, the engine trouble that he had over the weekend because it was throughout practice and into qualifying as well. But And throughout the race as well. Yeah, there's there's still things being said by Renault about why that happens. Um, yeah. So, yeah, whether you want to get into the politics of that is maybe for another time, but... Um, we, could, yeah. we could get into it. We've got time. I mean, why? why what, what is it about that Renault engine that's making... 
that that causes Red Bull to have issues. As we've pointed to lots of times, it seems to be Red Bull being the only ones having these problems. I mean, Red Bull, I think we're both running the Spec C Renault engine, whereas the works team I know are running the Spec B. I'm not sure about McLaren. McLaren are definitely Spec B. Oh, they're Spec B as well, yeah. And I think yeah. Max is going to revert back to the Spec B, I think, I read for the next race, because um, he's going to have to swap his engine after, as we know, his Singapore one was just... It almost seemed like he was um, having like false neutrals as he was going around, which is obviously yeah. Really good. He, he was literally calling them out as false neutrals at one point. Yeah, so it's quite likely that's what. Well, it was giving him. It was saying it was giving him a lot of engine braking at one point as well. Um, or yeah. it felt like it was doing a lot of engine braking, which you don't want. And well, it all comes down to, or the the fingers have been pointed by Renault at the fact that they just weren't keeping it cool enough and weren't running it in the guidelines that were given to them by Renault. Yeah. Where, um, the, the key thing pointed out, as I'm sure you two already know, but the listeners might not, was that on top of the side pods, a lot of teams had um, vents across the top of the side pod kind of in the area that's almost alongside the driver. Um, and Red Bull were pretty much the only team, if not the only team, I think the that only weren't team, yeah. running some sort of vent up there. And obviously, it was advised by you know Renault to be doing that. It was obviously the other teams had taken the same precautions in terms of the Ferrari powered and the Mercedes powered cars. Toro Rosso had it from a Honda perspective, so it is pretty much only them that were that were having issues in that manner, and were the only ones not running that level of. Um, sort of cooling if you want to call it that the ventilation yeah. sorry is probably a better word yeah what what surprised me about um the race this 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 year was the the so few retirements we only had one retirement yeah. in the entire race this, i was surprised and it's a about bit that of a well. car killer isn't it this track like brakes normally take yeah a really really heavy hit you know cooling's a massive issue because of yeah. the type of circuit it is and because of the temperatures that they're dealing with even though it's a night race and yeah most of them were relatively bulletproof i thought mm. i mean i guess it shows we're a few years into an engine formula now and they've problems like that are not so big problems as they used to be i guess yeah um and very impressive though in fairness to drivers as well you know it's a very tight circuit um, majority of them kept away from each other <laughs> we'll get to more yeah. of that in a minute i guess <laughs> we but... had we had a lot of uh wall kissing um in practice and qualifying um, yes. by the race the most seems to have got it out of them the most significant of which being Leclerc I think in practice where he sort of almost reminded me very much of Max Verstappen coming out of the swimming pool in Monaco it, Max Verstappen really clips that corner every year and on two occasions mm. he's actually taken the front right off and yeah. Leclerc very similarly did the same thing coming off the bridge um, clipped the right front on the inside barrier, and obviously, you know, the thing's destroyed after that and grinds yeah. to a halt. But that, that was um, the most significant, really, other than in the race. Well, there was it? no, there was a, there was another big one. Um, Vessel did in FP. Oh, of course, two. Yeah, he uh, he he punctured. Well, he he slammed the right side of his car into. But I say slammed, sort of nicked against really the wall. It, it certainly wasn't enough to call it a slam but it was enough to puncture his radiator and gave the team a hell of a lot of work to do overnight to get him to um, practice free and quality ah was was it the and radiator in the end is that what it was I f- well they were say- at the time they were saying i don't i mean you know at ferrari like they don't give really yeah. any information i mean out to the media, it, but- it 
this is two years in a row where Vettel's Ferrari has just spewed liquid all over the track in Singapore. <laughs> so it must have been something yeah. like a radiator or a oil tank or something. Yeah. Oh, I did get I did get a in, very interesting fact from this though. So it was it was spewing uh, last year. You'll remember it was it, the eagle-eyed listener will have seen that <laughs> he was um, spewing out green fluid from the back of his car last season. Yes. And the the leak on. Friday on Friday during free practice two was actually um, like a pinky coloured liquid. Now, can you can either of you two tell me why they might be different <laughs> colours? Ooh, because they come from different areas, and it's so that the team can tell what's leaking. Exactly that. Yeah. So they have two. That's they, very they smart. Mu- multiple cooling systems, and they put different dyes in the liquid so they can tell which cooling system is working. Leaking. That's mm. fascinating. Yeah. Fun fact. That's a properly fun fact. I like that. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. You've just blown my mind. <laughs> blown um, his mind? He's blown his mind! <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. Um, the, the What turned out to be the really crucial thing from Vettel's mistake in practice, though, that was as a result of that, he mm. lost an awful lot of time when he would have been doing um, long runs. Yes. Which yes, it, yes, he did. Very much came into play during the race, but I guess we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, nothing to do with him being on the wrong tyres, was it, As, again? But, <laughs> but that, that wrong tyre thing potentially comes from him missing that long running and not knowing what the car's mm-hmm. capable of in, which, in what situations on what tyres. Uh, nah, it was a gamble. It was a you gamble think? and it didn't pay off. It also didn't help that yeah. once again they took about two sets of the uh, hardest tyre with them. Yeah, yeah. And, that. and that. They didn't have much of a choice to be based <laughs> on that. Not really. No, sh- shall we talk about the start of the race? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. We'll get. We'll shall get. Try, we'll get, shall ahead we of try and get back to get back to get stick to the agenda, guys. Okay. Let's let's get back to the agenda. <laughs> I will I will steer us back on course. <laughs> so to go back on course, we'll go to the start of the race <laughs> where we should have been in the first place. <laughs> um, so this year we made it to turn one, which was good. Hey. However, turns two and three yeah. brought drama. Um, <laughs> Force India's coming together again for not the first time in their partnership as drivers. And essentially, Perez clipped Ocon as Ocon was around the outside of him, which ended with Ocon into the wall on the exit of turn three and the entire right front corner of the car destroyed um, and causing issues for others behind him. Sirotkin most notably yeah. picking up and a lot of debris on the front wing and things like that from the incident as well. Wipe, managed to wipe the whole right side of the car off. Yeah, if it wasn't just yeah, it the was... right corner, was it? It was pretty much the whole right-hand side. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely wrecked it. And it's so much so that his wheel, his wheel, rim, his wheel rim came off and uh, the, the piece of debris you're talking about that Sirotkin picked up, it was actually like... The yeah, it was. The yeah, that was hilarious. Got caught up in his wing. Yeah. So they had to pull him just for a guy to rag that out. What do you want to know? I want to know, though. They they obviously had to pit that to take this bit of Force India wheel rim off the front of his uh, front wing. Do you reckon they gave that back to Force India? Or were they like, no, (laughs) I I wondered that. I, I did wonder that. Um, like, if if, if a bit of your car gets stuck to someone else's car, does it become your? Does it become part yeah, of yeah. your car and it's yeah. yours? Then <laughs> this is ours now. It's like that old man. Nope, you kicked it over the wall. I'm keeping it. <laughs> That's basically that <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. attitude. Just put a knife through it if it happens again. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm interested to know what you guys think of that incident. Um, I saw a few people saying that. Ocon was maybe 
putting his car in a position where that was always going to happen. Personally, I think he had every right to be there. Yeah, it's for me, I'm going to say it's probably 50 50. Um, it was a very bold move trying to get out there, um, especially from behind. If he was a little further alongside him, maybe nose in front made a little yeah. more sense. But coming from so far back, like he doesn't just. Shoot, try to shoot around the outside of Perez. There's there's somebody else on his inside, and I can't remember from the footage who it is. It, I want to say it's like a Leclerc or someone like that. It's a it's a white car mm-hmm. anyway, and he shoots kind of round the outside of whoever that is, and then goes for Perez as well. And I think maybe coming from so far back is why it's a fifty fifty thing for me. And mm-hmm. the the door was. It was always going to close, but Perez has got to be doing a better job of looking at what's around him in in the start of a race in a tight one, two, three turn corner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so my feeling on it is I I don't entirely agree with Tom. I I feel like Ocon had every right to be where he was on the outside, and Perez, although, I mean, Perez should have spotted him, I think. I think it was probably 60-40, 60 Perez, 40%. Ocon because it's a race start there's going to be cars all around into the first two three turns particularly at Singapore and you need to have that awareness of of what could happen around you you need to be looking out for other cars whether it's your teammate or not so I feel like Perez could have given him more he could absolutely have given him more room and I feel like he probably did see him and he tried to squeeze him and his temper got the better of him he got a bit of red mist that's what I feel like. Well, the the damning thing for me is that if you watch the onboard, about halfway around the corner, <clears throat> he opens the steering up. Basically, like, he's straight again, which is why he drifted out into Ocon. Like, mm. as you say, there's absolutely yeah, yeah. space there for him to give him the space. I mean, to be honest, I don't remember seeing from the onboard, but I reckon there's a good chance at that point he was looking his left-hand mirror to who was currently inside of him. So he may well have just yeah. not known he was there, but it was either way, it was very clumsy. Yeah, I mean, it could have, it could have, the open to open up the steering again. It, he's going around the left-hand corner, so it could have been that he could feel the rears going because he's on cold yeah, tires. Possibly, yeah. <clears> and he had to open it up to 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 catch a you know a, a bit of oversteer. And it is the line drifting that way as well to remember. Like you know, if you, if you if you sort of yeah. watch the line that Perez is taking, he's generally following the line of everybody else ahead of him. It's not, it's not a an odd thing for him to be going out there but it is odd for him to not be well i say odd it's it's not like him to you know be completely unaware about what's around him i don't think yeah it, it was just, it was an unusual incident I, I the the worst thing about it for me is i was you know they were in a really good position this weekend for Sydney. Mm-hmm. they were really quick in practice you know the, the pace that they showed at italy in italy and at spa um, it has followed them to Singapore. I wasn't really expecting them to have an amazing time of it in Singapore, and Did actually, too. in practice, they were, you know, they were looking hot. So for them, they, they've they've sat, they've lost a lot of points this weekend doing that. And if they've got designs on, you know, getting themselves ahead of McLaren and ahead of maybe one or two of these other teams to get them sort of back into a decent position in the championship, this is not the way that no, that's going to no happen, well. is it? Well, yeah, they they turned seventh and ninth on the grid into sixteenth and yeah. DNF, which is yeah abysmal. And yeah. I would say most of that was Perez yeah. is doing, which is a shame. When um, Ocon's the one who doesn't have a seat for next year, but uh, that's yeah. a whole different discussion. Yeah, 
the the incident with Sirotkin um, obviously penalised for colliding into Sirotkin quite clumsily, I personally think. But what do we think the penalty was deserved more than anything? Because to me, he moves over and just swipes across um, and Sorotkin's giving him more than enough racing room. So to me, justified, but be interesting to see if you guys agree. The the weird thing for me is that the so he swiped from right to left on the track across into Sorotkin. You can't even argue that he was trying to take the racing line because the next corner was a left-hander. Yeah. So he had the racing line at that point. It was... Yeah, it was such a strange thing. It just it almost looked like he was trying to squeeze him to compromise his line, but just did it too aggressively, maybe. Or again, I mean, maybe wasn't quite aware where the rear of his car was. Or that, you know, yeah. just poor spatial awareness. Again, because in reality, the positioning of where Sorokin was in relation to where um, Ocon was in the earlier incident... He's, he's similar distances ahead of both cars, so they're both in a similar sort of spot yeah. in in terms of his vision and his awareness. So whether that is a factor, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the, yeah, <laughs> I wonder if there's a blind spot in the mirrors of that. Uh, maybe in vision. Maybe he's just got like blinkers on under his helmet, like a horse. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Like for me, again, it was bang out of order that time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very clear what he was trying to do. Um, it was lucky to get. I thought it was lucky to get away with the penalty he got. Um, yeah, I think they could easily have given him an even harsher one. To be honest, yeah, yeah. it was a drive through, wasn't it? Drive through. I think they gave him, and yeah, um, that, that, it, it it was yeah, just it was so clumsy. Is not. I think it was. I think it was. Uh, clumsy is not the word. I, I felt like it was more of a. You've been holding me up all this time. I'm going to try and swipe across the front of you to prove a point. Yeah. Thing. It felt aggressive. Well, yeah. At to that me. point, he'd been stuck behind him for 20 plus laps and it did smack yeah. of frustration and anger. Yeah. It's like um, get the F out of my way kind of vibe, I, I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from Perez, he just said that he closed the door earlier than he should have done um, and he accepted that he probably deserved the penalty. No, probably. But (laughs) he he absolutely deserved a penalty, and there was very clear intent. So it felt to me like he was trying to ram him more than anything. I'd go that far, and the damage he did to the car, the head-on view as well. Yeah, yeah, it looks really bad from that because it's because of obviously the way that when he makes contact, it kind of obviously swings the force India around a little bit, so it does look worse, but. Still, it, it kind of shows the intent in it, I think, which, you know... Yeah, it was... Not on, really, is it? Especially from a driver that's quite highly regarded by most other drivers and teams and stuff like that. It's a shame to, to see that, just from a bit of frustration. Yeah, like, other than with his own teammate, he's not really got that much history of yeah. sort of dodgy no, driving. It's very, yeah, it's not very crashy, usually, is he? No, no. but... Um, lost his maybe, head a bit, I think. 
Yeah, I saw that um, on on TV. He did a interview where he was playing Mario Kart against. Ocon, I saw that, and I wonder if some of that Mario, <laughs> I wonder if some of that Mario Kart vibe just followed him through to the race. Yeah, there's your problem actually in a real life race. So, tip to any young Formula One drivers out there: don't play Mario Kart. Before Steer clear of race. Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet, you did there. Steer clear Sweet of Mario Kart. There. I didn't work. even mean that. That's the best part. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's they're the best yeah. ones. They're the best Definitely. ones. Um, so yeah, we were agreeing that uh, possibly no penalty deserved for the first one, but definitely for the second one, and possibly yeah, the first one helped lead to his frustrations when being st- stuck behind Sorokin. W- with you there. Moving on a little bit further into the race, um, the next sort of I guess talking point would probably be the Verstappen pit stop. Um, I suppose we should maybe talk about the Vettel one because that triggers this whole scenario i guess so vettel was really the first to or ferrari and vettel were the first to kind of buy on the pit stops and they pitted first of everyone probably trying for an undercut on hamilton and went to the ultra soft from the hypersoft which is the middle of the three compounds from this weekend yeah the The purple purple. uh pink to purple and quite possibly just completely the wrong tyre to be on. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier on, but now I guess is the, the time to talk about it. Yeah, let's, let's Ultimately a faster tyre, yeah. but was always leading to the possibility of having to stop a second time, um, whereas most of the people, Hamilton, Verstappen and so on, were pitting for the harder medium tyre, which guaranteed them the one stop could see it out to the end. So poor strategy call on Ferrari's part. Yeah, the the ultra soft tire was probably the probably was the faster tire as long as you don't get stuck behind Sergio Perez, which he was. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's the problem. The, the bad the bad strategy call on Ferrari's part is that they put him in a position where he got stuck behind Perez. I actually think the tire choice itself was probably the right gamble because if they'd have pitted him early and put him on the softs, it would have taken a lap or two to get the softs warm enough to do any kind of decent lap time by which point Hamilton would have put in a fast one, pitted, come out ahead anyway. At least putting him on the ultrasofts. Yeah. Yes, ultrasofts. God, these t- I can't wait for these tyre names to go away <laughs> next season. Um, at least on the ultrasofts, they're going to switch on a lot quicker and it, you gave him a shot at the undercut. He obviously didn't work by several seconds still, but that was their best shot of doing something in the race, I think. Um but yeah, the fact that they then dropped him out behind Perez meant that was all for nothing because, as you say, he just got stuck behind and did lots of damage to an already fragile tyre for that much There also distance. seemed to be a little bit of um, miscommunication, I think, where from what I remember happening, Lewis was saying his tyres were good and he was happy to stay on them. Ferrari then misunderstood that as a message where he was saying that he wanted to change his tyres, to which Vettel responded, I think he's lying and I think he's fine. And then Ferrari was suddenly pitting Vettel um, and almost like they were reacting Mm. to that. And it'd be interesting to hear more of those conversations, in in all honesty. Is that what you... Did you watch that on Sky or Channel 4? I was watching on Sky, but I'm not sure what Hamilton said. I've not heard the radio back to to know what Hamilton said. Okay, so I watched it on Channel 4, and here's how I understood that, because I uh, we, we're on two totally different pages mm-hmm. here. <laughs> I understood it that Hamilton was playing mind games with them, saying that 
they they thought that Hamilton was saying that there's because Hamilton's words were there's loads of life in these tires left yet yeah okay so he was saying that his he he could go all day on those tires well not all day yeah. you know what I mean um and it sounded like Vettel thought he was saying thought he was lying. Is that what you? No, got no, from no. That? Ferrari, from from what I understood, is Ferrari were thought that he was complaining about the tires. Is how I understood it. But that's yeah. No, was, no, that's no, no. They, that, they, no that's no, what that's I got as well. I think I think Ferrari's. I'm um, sorry, Vettel's race engineer told Vettel something yeah, different from what Hamilton, what Hamilton said. actually yeah. said. And he told yeah. oh, really? Hamilton there's loads of yeah. life left. And Vettel's race engineer said Hamilton's saying. There's yeah, no life that's left, it. which Vettel said, I don't believe him. It's like, well, obviously you don't believe him because yeah. you've been told the and wrong that, thing that's entirely. what it was. it was. So it was it was the Ferrari misunderstanding or mishearing the message from Lewis to the wall and then their message out to Vettel as a consequence was wrong. But then Vettel was correct in saying, well, I don't think that's right because of what I can see in front of me. <laughs> so it's... Then why did they pit Vettel? Why did they pit Vettel yeah. so soon after? Well, that, I assume that that's because they knew that they needed the stints on the ultra soft because they more or less didn't they didn't have oh. mediums did they uh, yeah is it no it's softs isn't it not mediums sorry I, I, Softs. Yeah. I apologize i think earlier in the show i said mediums but it's the soft the yellow ones which is the harder of the three but they didn't they didn't really have any did they <laughs> this is so stupid i can't wait i'm with you because i can't wait God. for them to tires fix oh. this next year tires are the most boring subject in Formula 1. It is, but um, it's the most <laughs> annoying thing to try and explain. This is why it, yeah, yeah, totally. we were so right when we said originally they've done a stupid thing in doing this and why can't they just have mm-hmm. soft, medium and hard and it doesn't matter what the actual yeah. compound is. It's easy to talk yeah. about. So, so, so Anyway. Yeah, so just back to the point. Yeah. So, so let me just get this straight. Right. Right. Hamilton said there's loads of life left in these yes. tyres yet. Ferrari thought Ferrari misunderstood that to make and, and thought that he said there wasn't much life left in the tires yet. Yeah. Yes. So then, so obviously at that point they're like, right, we're quids in. Let's pit and get some fresh tires on because he's going to be he's going to be coming in soon anyway. They they didn't realize that he had loads of life left in the tires and he was able to push really hard. So that, that, that they've driven to, themselves into a strategy mistake by misunderstand by not listening to be honest, the radio message. To be honest, I think they were probably planning to stop around when they did, regardless, because yeah. they were trying for this undercut, which never was going to really happen. And, and they did yeah. force the hand into a two-stop strategy with the tyre choices because they didn't have the harder tyres to run like what the other teams were doing. Um, what what yeah. they had left? Well, no, they only needed one. They only needed one set of soft tyres to get them to the end of the race. They had one of those left. They'd only taken one or two, hadn't they? Two sets, I think. Yeah, they'd taken two. You only need to, though, because you're only going to run you run it once True. in practice and then once in the race. How many did you run in practice, though? That that would be the next question, I guess. Well, I, I couldn't tell you that. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, even that's academic because even the Ultrasoft, Vettel, at no point in practice, had run it yeah. for the amount of laps they needed to run it in the race because of his crash in practice, which lost yeah, him all the long run. So the point they put yeah. that tire on the car they had no idea if it would last the race distance or not again but that's the second race in a row that's happened they've got no idea what's going to happen um i'm going to bring in a bit of inbox here because there's a question we had that fits in quite nicely here i think um eric richardson said uh sky kept saying that vettel is trying to run the team from his cockpit do you agree with this Uh, and if so do you think the issue lies more with the team or the driver 
I'm thinking 70% team, but Vettel hasn't seemed settled since Germany. Um, and I think I agree with that. I think it, it feels like Vettel doesn't have the confidence in his team to make these strategy calls. And you, you constantly see him sort of questioning things mm, and suggesting yeah. things, which is no, it's no way to doing things. You need to have full faith in the people making these calls for you because obviously they have way more information than you do sat in the car. Yeah, well, yeah. And, if you've ever if you've ever ever driven a cart around a track in a race, and tried to keep track of what position you're yeah. in, <laughs> it's just yeah. impossible. No it, idea. I, there's there's definitely certain things that the pit wall's always going to have an upper hand on in terms of you know race knowledge. But I think as well, you know, from what a driver can feel in a car and see in front of him as well, is something that the team needs. I think you know it need, it needs to be a conversation both ways. It and I can see why drivers get frustrated when they're being told to do things strategy-wise that they don't like the sound of, but I can also see as well why they want to relay information that they can see and feel because it makes sense to do so. But I agree that I think with... Well, I agree with Chris, basically, I think, in the fact that he's lost his confidence in them. Um, And to be fair, over the last two or three seasons in terms of what they've done strategy-wise and then what appears to be happening again in the last couple of races, do you blame him in in that? Like, you know, it's it's a Ferrari thing lately, isn't it? To... Mm, totally. Yeah. Do you know what this feels a lot like? Mm. It feels a lot like the later years of Alonso at Ferrari when he kept coming close to world championships and not winning them and strange strategy choices like pitting him in Abu Dhabi and being stuck behind Petrov for an entire race, costing him things. Mm. It's definitely got yeah. a a hint of that about it, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, they, second half of a season again, isn't it? Like Every time it yeah. gets yeah. to this point in the season, yeah. they, just, they just can't keep focus. They can't they don't seem to have a strong enough mentality to cope with the pressures of winning a championship that's that's how it no, feels not at yeah. all whereas you've got hamilton on the flip side who's zoned seems zoned in and and just on it for the back end of the season like that last third of the season whether it's that he enjoys the tracks whether it's that he feels confident in the running because he can see you know he can see the season coming towards its close whatever it might be there's something about that last third of the season that usually starts around here um, that he seems to start getting that momentum and if Ferrari don't stop that momentum soon by picking up a win or two it could see him run away with the rest of it if they're not careful I think we're pretty much done to be honest I think that was mm-hmm. a this weekend Hamilton came uh, sorry Ferrari came to this racetrack this weekend you know with their sort of tails up thinking they were going to absolutely dominate and all through practice yep. they were really fast um, Yeah, fair enough the Red Bulls were fast in FP1 and FP2 but the Ferraris were the cars that looked like they were going to have yeah. the goods because we all know they've got the engine modes and they're going to be ahead of Red Bull anyway by the time qualifying comes in but but by the time qualifying rolled around, I mean, even in qualifying, they were cocking up. Even in qualifying, they, like, they'd just seen Mercedes go out on the wrong tyre and not be able to put a fast enough time in to get in to Q. I mean, they scraped through to Q2. Yeah. Because they were on the wrong yeah. tyre, Mercedes were. And then even though they literally just watched that unfold right in front of them, we've, we'd all seen it. Uh, um, 
Q2 comes around and they do exactly the same thing. And then they, yeah. they blow their shot at mm. a really fast, you know, a really, really fast lap on the Hypersoft. So by the time Q, Q3 rolls around, everyone else has got loads and loads of experience on the Hypersoft tire. They all know where the, where the optimum braking point is. They, they know how to warm that tire up and make it work. And Ferrari is still nowhere yeah. with it. And that is what cost them the qualifying. And that's what's cost them this race. Uh, coupled with more bad strategy decisions. Yeah, compared to the problem, they also, in Q3, on both of Vettel's runs, and I think both of um, Raikkonen's runs, they put them on the track among lots of traffic, which means they had a compromised outlap to warm up their tyres. So they'd lost before they even started their flying laps in Q3. Well, putting them on track in traffic, I suppose, comes as full circle back to where we originally were, which is Vettel's pit stop sticks him behind Perez, holds him up, which ultimately is what gets Verstappen past him. Um, yes, because yeah. Verstappen's stop was not long after. And despite what was actually a slow pit stop due to Verstappen struggling to get away from his box, he actually came out alongside and just a, a nose in front of Vettel heading into turn. It's like sort of the exit of two and into three. And yeah. the excitement from young Max of the radio once he, <laughs> he kind of sealed that move and, and made sure he was in front of the Ferrari, which was good racing between the two of them, to be fair, because yeah. it's it, same as in turn one and two at the start of the race, to be honest. They were side by side through it then. Um, and it was good wheel to wheel racing on both occasions from the pair of them. But it ultimately got Max in front. And again, it, it's it's something that's that that traffic is what's cost Ferrari a position and it's made that deficit to Hamilton worse because they're not only not coming second behind him, they're now coming third behind him winning. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at the results for the whole season. If you look at the second half of the season so far, you've got Germany, Vettel should have won it, binned it. There was arguably some dodgy strategy coming to play there. Hungary, Ferrari were favourites and the weather came to Hamilton's rescue. Uh, Belgium, Vettel won. Italy, Ferrari were favourites and they just made an absolute hash of qualifying and Hamilton capitalised on it. And then Singapore again, Ferrari came into that as favourites, made a hash of qualifying again and made a bit of a hash of the race. And, you know, we've got, what, third and fourth, third and fifth out of it? It's Yeah, third and fifth. If it was a 10-race championship, Ferrari would be all over it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There just comes a point, doesn't there? Um, Yeah, it's... The mind boggles, I think, to what happens at Ferrari over the course yeah. of the season. And it's a shame now because we got to a point where Hamilton's 40 points ahead now. And, yeah. I mean, you know, Vettel needs a bit of a miracle at this point. If, if Vettel wins every single race and Hamilton's second, Vettel will only win by two points. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. And I don't think Vettel's going to win every race between now and then. I mean, yeah, obviously... They we... gonna, they're not going to win Japan. They, don't, they won't win USA. No. Uh, um... Red Bull could win at Mexico. Brazil, uh, probably, that's a shortish, tightish track. Yeah, so that's probably a Mercedes track. Yeah, it might might suit the Red Bulls though, because there's not a huge amount of long straight full power, yeah. is there? But yeah, no. And Abu Dhabi, Mercedes maybe they could have a probably. chance at Abu Dhabi. Both between the two of them. It's, yeah, it's, you know what though? It's it is it's still quite. I mean, I still think Ferrari got the faster car. That's the crazy thing. They have got a faster car. And just in yeah. just in the opening lap where Vettel overtook um, Verstappen, 
you can see they've got something and we've been talking about this a little mm-hmm. bit sort of off air like you can see that the ferrari has got something in its deployment that allows yeah. it to sort of power past other cars really early on in the race because it happened at spa and it's happened here and it happened at it happened in monza as well and it's i think yeah. it's something to do with those little nipples on the on the steering wheel like they've got something that there. that or just the way that they're using the battery deployment it doesn't necessarily have to relate directly to them but they they're doing something very clever and legal with the batteries that the other teams mm. haven't yeah. mastered or, or gotten on top of yet and you know good luck to them because that's what you need in this sport that you need an innovation like that to give you that edge um mm. but it's no good having this amazing battery deployment system that ensures that you can get past Max Verstappen right before the safety car to then let him back through on a bad strategy call yeah 20 laps later it's it's yeah. wasted isn't it and you know mercedes and red bull have got people working day and night to figure out what that yeah. is and next season ferrari won't have that advantage anymore yeah. so yeah you know this is their season to, to take that advantage and they're not yeah yeah they'll figure it out i think i think i've figured it out and if i've figured it out then they'll figure it out <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> maybe you want to give like toto and christian a call and just like this, this is what it yeah. is guys <laughs> Yeah, I've got it. Uh, honestly, I, I feel like just to to give that away. I feel like the they've got some sort of launch system to do with their electric motors that then brings in the the actual main clutch to the engine later in yeah. the in the second phase of the start. So they're yeah, launching. We know they've got two power. batteries. Yeah, and that that and you can see they release their fingers from the little nipple on the steering wheel as well. So I think I think that I think that's a clutch. I think that's the that's for the electric power. But go on, sorry. Yeah, the the thing that I think holds water with that is the fact that it's it's giving them those kind of it, no pun intended, but electric starts, and it is because <laughs> the amount of talk, the amount of instant torque that you get from an electric. Uh, sort of start motor. compared to yeah. yeah an electric motor start compared to a combustion engine start is ridiculous like that's why your formula e's and other electric based cars and hybrids and stuff are so quick off the line because of that instant electric torque um and it's almost like they are utilizing whatever this clever battery deployment system is to a get that launch because they they've they've got something in their start setup that is heavily deploying the batteries or, or utilizing the batteries and like Stu suggests maybe some sort of clutch for the electronic side of it because well we've to not bore people we've looked inside and out around the rules and we think that yeah being able to do that with electronics is yeah if we we start being like rule nerds about it we think (laughs) that that's where the loophole is in the rules the fact that you can do those things because it doesn't yeah. mess with the main the sp- clutch of the the engine, basically. Yeah, the, the, gearbox, the, 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 the specific rule that that we're talking about is you your your clutch that is attached to your electric motor isn't regulated by the same rules as what your regular clutch is for your yeah. for your combustion engine. So you can, in theory, apply a a, a kind of launch control using that rule but it's very complicated and it's a bit boring for us to get into on here so we won't yeah. do that um, or as a potential <laughs> other option 
if if you had some kind of super secret control on your steering wheel, you'd probably mm-hmm. hide it on the back. And maybe those little rubber nipples are connected to absolutely nothing. And like the cooling bag over the camera, it's all a massive red herring while they're doing something completely different elsewhere yeah. on the car. Yeah. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. It, stranger, it could easily be. stranger things have happened. Could easily yeah. be. Um, I suppose we should talk about other things through the race. We, we're, yeah. we're on not memory chicanes. What are these? These aren't memory chicanes. These are like... These, these are just... Diversions. Theory chains. <laughs> Theory chains. Joker chicanes. labs. Like, joker yeah, labs. These are joker labs. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We'll get we'll get a term for everything. Massive tangent. Massive yeah. tangent. Oh goodness. Um, We've come here to talk about people want to know about Singapore Grand Prix and we're talking about bloody. Do they? <laughs> they do. And I'm gonna put us back on track by Power saying through. by talking about the blue flag incidents because um yes. there was an interesting one. So um Grosjean and Sorokin was the first one that I noticed and Grosjean and Sorokin are fighting on track and Hamilton is then caught up behind that having to back out of overtaking or like to lap um, the two of them because they're fighting which you know they're fighting for position it's it's fair but from the the going back to it it looks like they'd been told for quite a while blue flag wise that they, they were going to need to yield at some point soon, but crucially, it had Max Verstappen right on the back of Lewis, and even having a look at him into yeah into a turn at one point. Um, so Grosjean was actually penalised for ignoring blue flags. Uh, Sirotkin specifically at that point wasn't, but did get into trouble later, which we'll discuss. Um, Sirotkin also at this point is obviously you know fighting with damage from the incident with Perez, so he's not a full potential i guess you'd say for the car even yeah. though it's a track where it doesn't matter as much it's still going to be affected by it grows on right to get a penalty do you think in this scenario yeah i think so i mean so charlie said that basically he got penalty because he broke the golden rule which is if you're in a fight and the leaders are coming through you stop being in a fight in order to let the leaders come through which I mean, it's a shame because they were having a really good fight at yeah. that point, and it is a shame that they just have to stop. And it's kind of brought up, I think, the from some people the argument of should we have blue flags in the first place? But then at the same time, what we potentially nearly had was a race win decided by who happened to get held up the least by bat markers, and you don't want races being decided mm. that way. So no, that would have been really sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a fair penalty though. Yeah. Um, Sorokin then had another incident a little bit later on, which was uh, with between him and Hartley, and I think this was similar to Perez anyway, like just frustrations of a a not good race. And Stu sounds like he might be about to disagree with me on this, but yeah, it sounds it's yeah. it seemed frustrations of a, a not brilliant race, and he kind of just kept Hartley way out of the on the outside of the corner, forcing him wide. But I don't know. I don't, I, I don't agree. I don't think he did it on purpose. I think it was, I think his tires were gone. His tires were gone. His car's damaged. He's just missed his breaking point. That's all. There is happened. that. Either way, it was hilarious though. Cause he literally just pushed him off the track. Yeah. Hartley, I think actually bumped <laughs> his wheel, just trying to get around the corner. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't think it. I, I don't think it's fair to say it was intentional. He'd been in. So he, I mean, to, and let's let's remember, Sirot can give us most of the action from this race. So yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know what? He came within, I think, two percent of winning driver of the day. 
<laughs> yeah, he to, did. He did. Just yeah. to clarify, I wasn't suggesting that he drove straight on completely on purpose. What I mean is, it was a symptom of his frustrations that he just lost the car made in that corner, mistake. made a mistake. Oh, yeah. you mean the like pre- it's just his the- head was gone? Yeah, like he's had a he's had a day. <laughs> that's to put it bluntly, that's what he's had. <laughs> yeah. And he's been challenged again for position and he's doing his damnedest to keep that position and the car's just had enough and let go on him. But I think it all comes from the frustration of he felt like he could be doing better if it wasn't for the fact that he'd been hit by Perez and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's fair. Had, had a fight against Grosjean, sort of interrupted by blue fl- flags and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I think that's where I, the mistakes come from. I actually heard um, Sorokin speak on TV for the what? first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> they, they interviewed him. They actually Channel Four interviewed him afterwards after the race, and he spoke. He say he speaks. <laughs> he has a voice. Actually, funnily enough, um, I think it was Eric Richardson on Twitter said, "Was that the first time we've ever heard Trotkin's team radio?" And I actually can't remember us ever hearing team radio from him in the past. Yeah. yeah. No. He's, he's had a very anonymous season, hasn't he, Sorokin? I think sort of that's the unfortunate the byproduct of having I a think terrible a- car. Yeah, I think he's had a quietly quite solid season, to be completely honest with you. Um, yeah. it's just been I think he's doing a terrible it. job. Yeah. Um, yeah, whether he's still in that car. If he should still be in that car next season, but we're still yeah. yet to find out. Yeah. And <laughs> Who then knows? The, Who knows? Yeah. And then the last bit, just from the race, that I think it's worth a mention, is one Fernando Alonso bringing the McLaren home in seventh um, and on the lead lap, which is infamously best of the rest. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Damn good drive. Um, he qualified ninth, I believe. It was, yes. No, it was 11th. 11th. Oh, okay, it? so yeah. he's made He was up. on fresh tyre choices. Well, well, oh, yeah, of course. Pass. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 He obviously gained place on Ocon and Perez yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, but he still did Hulkenberg and Grosjean during the race. I, um, I think after the race, he cited qualifying eleventh. In hindsight, was the best thing that could have happened because it gave him yeah, that totally. free tire choice of not being in the the top yeah, ten. Free strategy. Yeah. So, so results. Yeah. So generally speaking, if you've not caught it already, um, we got a podium which consisted of Hamilton, uh, Verstappen, and Sebastian Vettel. Um, Bottas coming home fourth. Uh, and Raikkonen fifth, um, very close to each other in the end, about a second between them. Mm. So Raikkonen was hunting Bottas down for the the fourth, but never quite made it. And Daniel Ricciardo not too far behind them um, in sixth, but a bit of an uneventful race, would you say, for Danny Rick? Pretty much, yeah. He yeah. was on his own for a lot of it, I think, yeah. wasn't he? And then that huge gap back to Alonso, who was <laughs> the last man on the lead lap. In seventh, yeah. You know, Alonso has got himself up to eighth in the championship with that drive this week. He's it's only ridiculous. Three, three, po- three points behind Hulkenberg with fifty-three points. Yeah. So he's actually almost best of the rest. Is believe almost. it or not, a McLaren driver is going to be the best of the rest of thingy. Who defunk that? In, I mean, yeah. that kind of it does kind of vindicate McLaren's decision to go to the Renault engine because yeah. yeah. Although the team isn't particularly high up in the standings I'd say that's largely you could argue that's largely down to Van Dorn not maybe delivering when he could yeah yeah, possibly yeah and Alonso is obviously doing better than the Toro Rosso drivers who have got the Honda power Mm. when you come if you're going to compare it like that so 
<clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, even it, sorry, just just on just back to Van Dorn and Alonso a minute. Even more damning for Van Dorn is Alonso has had four retirements this yeah. season. Van Dorn's only had one, two. Yeah. So Yeah. You know, it's it's not he hasn't done enough, no. has he? Let's be honest. No, sadly. Van Dorn hasn't done enough. Um, um, anyway, with Alonso being in that position, would we consider him for driver of the day? The official one was one Max Verstappen. Um, personally, I would put Alonso mm. forward as as at least a candidate, if not my choice, just for being quite solid there. Yeah, he should definitely be in the discussion. I think. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Props to Alonso for doing what he did. Verstappen beat the faster Ferrari. Yeah. As as did Hamilton. Faster in inverted commas. Yeah, I think the, uh, the Verstappen official vote, whenever Verstappen has a decent race and is there or thereabouts, he tends to win it. But I think on this occasion, it's fairly justified because of the, the performance yeah. he put in. Yeah, I'd and agree. I think obviously Hamilton was just flawless all weekend as yeah. well, so you've got to put him in yeah. Yeah. the mix. It's ha- it's actually um, really really difficult to choose between those three for me. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, because they've they're, they're all like really 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 valid reasons for them to be driver of the day. I think if you put a gun to my head, then I'd probably have to say Hamilton just because of the that qualifying drive and the way he set up set himself up this weekend to to do what he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's given us something special this weekend, and that's really exciting. It's not very often you see those kind of drives. In, in any form of racing. So for me, it's Hamilton. But Chris? I think you've, pro- you've probably convinced me, I think, there, Stu. <laughs> I can't be, I can't yeah, be the other can go one with out, that. can I? I'm going to have to just because <laughs> I can't be the other one out. <laughs> hey, you Move do you. The- you can. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I disagree. I'm <laughs> He's not now. even going to make a decision. He's just going <laughs> to... I'm just going to agree. I'm just <laughs> go on, who's agree. yours? Who, who's yours? I don't know. I'd- you can tell us. You can I don't tell know. us. I'd, don't I'd be, be tempted to actually agree with the... <laughs> The fan vote for once. Like we, we we never agree with the yeah. official driver no. of the day. And for once, I was ready to agree with it, and you've both gone against it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was no. actually going to say you know, that until Stu convinced I'm, me. I'm sticking with yeah. Verstappen. I, you know, I, I convinced myself otherwise because I was learning towards Verstappen as well. And then I said that, and I was like, oh, actually, okay. no, no, I'm right. Like, well, the slug mind took over. So. For, the, for the consolation, I'll stick with Verstappen then. All right. <laughs> uh, move of the day. Um... Personally, I I'd put forward Leclerc and Gasly's little battle through a number of corners because it was exciting, fun, and we've got to remember that they're in a Red Bull and a Ferrari come next year, so that yes. could be happening on track a lot more. Nice little preview of the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it, it was helped by the fact that Gasly was on destroyed tires at that point. True, but. I, I just really enjoyed the the way they were both positioning their cars corner to corner to attack and defend was just really top draw. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Although it's technically, you normally move the day is the person who gets the overtake, but I think they should both share the award for that, in my yeah. opinion, just for all around good racecraft. Hey, we've given it to strategy calls before and pit stops. That's true. So yeah. I'm sure a it's pair true. of drivers going wheel to wheel can share it. Yeah, um, for me, I want to put forward, uh, and it, and it, you know, it's the pop music version of overtakes. It was the Verstappen onto Vettel into turn three, the big ticket move yeah. that got him onto the it, onto yeah. the second step of the podium. It was a good move. Like we, we've already talked about, you know, how it was good to see them racing wheel to wheel and good hard racing. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. I think yeah, and it was it's very clean. They yeah. both respected each exactly. other. I think the part of it, part of it as well, is that Verstappen has this sort of. I think nowadays he's earned this kind of Senna like sort of vibe to him, where people actually fear him on track. Yeah, yeah that whole "I will go for a gap, and if, if yeah, yeah. you crash so, into me, so it's that, your fault" kind of vibe. Yeah, that, always going to give him that extra bit of space yeah. because they know he's a driver who will show them no quarter and that is what got him that position make no mistake yeah. Vettel's thinking yeah, I totally. need to stay in this race yeah. so he had a lot more to lose he had a lot more to lose than uh, Verstappen did at that definitely moment. Um, I'm, I've got to stick with my original so I'll say Leclerc and Gasly Chris are you going with that yeah definitely Stu are you going to just cool. give the compensation vote to the turn um, three uh, I'm going to go turn three, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. fine. It's a democracy. I can, it is. I, can, I, can, yeah. uh, hold my I know when I'm beat. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just going to crumble and go along with the rest of the group like what I did a minute ago. No. <laughs> um, and then this week, I think I can tell what's coming here. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Maybe a little fitting again. Mm. Yeah, probably, maybe, well. It's, nah. They, I mean, they, look. They they showed up thinking they were the dogs dangly bits Ferrari at this race, and they got the, in the words of Eddie Jordan, they got the dagger put through the heart of their campaign. <laughs> um, so they they've look they keep this keeps happening. They keep dropping the ball. Ferrari are just they're upside down. They're not doing it right. You need to start doing it right, Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Stu's assessments. I see. Sometimes they're just so <laughs> concise. <laughs> You're doing it wrong, Ferrari. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Just do um, it right. <laughs> I'm, for me, I'm going to go by the the letter of the award because when when Perez just swiped across Sorokin, I think the actual message I sent to you guys was what the was that. Yeah. So based yeah. on that alone, I'm going to go for yeah, Perez. Yeah, I think no. Uh, jokes aside, of the Ferrari strategy thing, he's he's got to be Perez's driving, like. Just the whole sum yeah. of it. Yeah, that swipe in particular, I've never seen anything like that. I, I'm on side. You've convinced me. <laughs> We've convinced Jeff. You've too. convinced me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you on that. Nice one. I think just through the through the entire race, his, his head was gone from like turn yeah. three. His head was just totally gone. Um, it's yeah. It, it reminded me of Maldonado, man. Like it was like that level of. It was. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was a very Maldonado driver. Yeah. 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 But, um, um, we've had a little bit for inbox box box, so I will let Chris go through those. Sure. So first, A. Richardson. Um, so one thing that happened this week was we had some images from uh, Formula One of kind of concepts of potential 2021 cars. Mm, yes. Um, Eric Richardson said it definitely is a bad looking car other than the Ferrari livery. So we know where his heart <laughs> lies. But he says, if this all ends up with no new manufacturers joining the sport, I still reserve the right to grab my pitchfork and join an angry mob. Which is a fair comment, I think. The, all these rules were yeah. supposed to be luring in new manufacturers, yeah. and we have precisely zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think on those 2021 car images, they're all very nice and cool, but no cars are actually going to look like that because at the end of the day, no, the teams are the ones like that design that. Yeah, them. To, <laughs> no. to, re- to react to it and think it's a done thing is not It's it's not a, a open and shut, this is what they will be like. It's... It's basically an idea session, isn't it, as to where they want to go, and they've got to work with the yeah. teams yet to to develop that level of aero and that that yeah. well, 
those rules basically. So do, do you know this? Do you know how they? Do you know how these images came about? It wasn't a technical talk. Rush Braun was giving in in Singapore. Is that where they were from? I think. Yeah, it was. So he was talking to. I think he took it to like some sort of university in Singapore, yeah. and he was talking to. Yeah, I think, I think so. It was students about it, and he, he he had them in the deck that he was presenting, and he put them up, and then just saw all the all the students whip out their phones and start taking pictures of them, and then thought, "Oh crap, <laughs> this is going to be shared <laughs> on social media," yeah. um, and of course it was, and so they had to release the images to say, um, you know, to to explain them because they're well aware that those cars don't look very good. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure some people think they look great, but in my opinion, I don't think they look that great. And it was just, it was just a little, it was a sort of naive mistake. I think that he's, that Ross Braun's held his hands up to and said, you know, I should I probably shouldn't have put them in there. And another part of it, is Formula One probably didn't want everyone to see them at this point? Yeah, quite possible. Well, so some of them are old, it's, it's some of them are old images, though. I, I, I was pretty certain I'd seen some of them before, and then I saw someone point out that if you looked at least one of them, they've got the old Formula One logo painted on the side of them. So, yeah, at least one of those images is a good couple of years old by now. The, yeah, the key um, word it's in just the pe- people oh, like sorry. to snap stuff and share it on social media for their you know for their own get over sort of profiles. Like yeah, yeah, people get excited, and you know, fair play. Like it's good for people to get excited. Mm. That's like that's what that's part of the beauty of of the internet, isn't it? Is that there's yeah. always something for us to see and get excited about. But uh, absolutely, I think that all of these images should be taken with a sizable pinch of yeah. a, a sizable a. A rock of salt because they're <laughs> the, not going to look like that. The key word in the whole thing is the word they are is concept. They are concepts, which is effectively a plan or an idea. It's not a done it's, thing. You know what? They're not even that, man. That these these aren't even that. They're it's abstract. Then they're, they're, they're yeah, they're abstract ideas. They're not full concepts. There's, they're not. You know, it's not like they're technical drawings or anything. Concept is feels to me like it's a more rounded, finished off idea. Whereas this <laughs> something is, that actually might exist one day. <laughs> yeah, these the, these are like a, more like a mood board than a concept. These are these are just ideas yeah. that will eventually grow together and become a concept in the future. But right now, these are very, very much so baby steps. They're not a thing. <laughs> Um, Shall we read Peter Reynolds' comment? Um, Peter Reynolds says, at Lewis Hamilton, won the 2018 World Championship today, yesterday. (laughs) Well, (laughs) today being Sunday. I'm going to say when this episode goes out, it was another (laughs) day. Two days ago, he said. Do you agree then? Because I I think you do, don't you, Stu, to a degree? Well, up to a point. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, and usually it will. But you know, it's ah, there's not a lot of races left now. There's a forty point gap, and as Chris said, Vettel would have to win every race, and even if Hamilton came second, he'd only win by two points. Um, I I wouldn't say he's got one hand on the championship trophy just yet, but I'd definitely say he's got probably like a, a fingertip on it. I mean, history says that he's going to have at least one retirement before the season's out. Yeah. I mean, right now you can't see where that's going to come from, but mm. well, he's already he's, he's had one this season, I think. He retired in Austria, didn't he? I think that was his only one of the season, if I remember rightly. You'd be pushing um, me to get an answer right now. I can't remember. I think so. <laughs> I can't see where another one's going to come from, to yeah. be honest. Um, 
On the same subject, Mitchell Brown said it's more likely Vettel will make a mistake based on current form. Uh, we could still have a 25 to 0 points race as well. Um, which, yeah, totally agree with. I think there's definitely more likely to see mistakes from Vettel and Ferrari than Hamilton and Mercedes. Tom, what's your thoughts on it, do you think? Um, I'm in the camp of hopeful that it's not over yet, <laughs> basically. As in, yeah. I hope that Ferrari can get on top of things and close that gap back up with some good performances because I do want to see it like wind down to the to the last race. I want to see it go that close. Yeah, we want to see it go to Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah, so, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Whether I think that'll happen or not, considering Lewis's form towards the back end of the season on some of the circuits we've got coming up, maybe he's... Yeah, it's, it's all going to depend on if and when that DNF occurs for him and if Ferrari capitalise on it as well. That's that's the key that's thing, the, I mean, that's the cru- Yeah, that's the crucial thing, isn't it? Can Ferrari capitalise yeah. on a DNF? Because it's all right, Lewis DNFing, but if it's an incident involving Vettel as well and they're both gone, it eradicates that DNF, doesn't it? Like it's you know, It's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a free no-points finish to Lewis in championship terms. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be fine with that. Yeah, Charlotte Taylor says... If Lewis Hamilton wins the championship, will we be able to say he's won a championship in a car that's not the fastest? Yes, absolutely, definitely, he will. Is my response? To yeah, that. even even if it has, even if it has had tracks where it's got an advantage, there's definitely been accounts throughout the season where Ferrari has been the better team and the better car. Um, yeah, I think on average across the season, the Ferrari has probably been the faster yeah. car. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's look. Let's just quickly look. Let, let's just give this one a little bit more juice. So, like Australia, the Ferrari was quicker, and it won. Uh, Bahrain, Ferrari won, which um, I wouldn't have expected. That's where Char- that's where to me Ferrari started looking like they might have a decent car this year to, that can really put the fight to them. Yeah, I Bahrain think that was race. Australia. I kind of expected them to be able to go. And and do that. Bahrain was a wake up call for me. Uh, thinking Ferrari, yeah, that changed the optics yeah, on the season yeah. a bit, didn't it? Yeah, um, China was a Red Bull win. Yeah, and Mercedes second. Bizarre race. Probably should have been a Mercedes track. You would have yeah. expected. Yeah, well, it was it was a, a bit was unusual. Then Azerbaijan, obviously, just madness again, absolute <laughs> chaos. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just from those four, Ferrari were probably quicker at all of those tracks, but they didn't. Again, they just did. They've not been able to capitalize on this faster no. car that they. Yeah. Ah, oh, Ferrari, give us, give us, give some, us something, Ferrari. Do better. Do it. Just give just us a whole championship. Just, do, just yeah. do, do better. Just do better. Yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking, though, I think the answer to the question is yes. I think is where we're going with it. The, yeah, yeah. Yes, the Ferrari has been the better car this season, even if not at all circuits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, we, we've got a message from last week. Um, yeah, so obviously, as always, the news that uh, Charles Leclerc was going to Ferrari and Kimi <laughs> Raikkonen going to Sauber came out the day our podcast yeah. came out, mere hours after we recorded, as is tradition. Um, but Emmett Nugent wrote in to say, Leclerc to be next Ferrari champion. Um, and where will Sebastian go if Leclerc does a Raikkonen on uh, does, does a Ricardo on him? Would he have options? Um, obviously, does Ricardo on him alluding to when Ricardo went to Red Bull, where Vettel had been for years and beat him first try? <clears throat> um, 
Leclerc to be next Ferrari champion is an interesting one. Uh, it kind of leads back to what I was saying earlier about Alonso, doesn't it? Alonso's Ferrari yeah. is not yielding any results. And will uh, <laughs> Will Vettel have the same thing? It'd be interesting to see how those two do work in a team together um, where Ferrari's loyalties lie because he is their true protege, really, isn't he? As much as Vettel is the lead driver for the team currently, um, you know, Leclerc is the the protégé that they've brought through the system themselves. So I'd be interested to see where things fall come next season. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Vettel get absolutely smashed by Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he's just going to turn up and start rocking the boat and how quickly Ferrari put their foot down on that. Mm-hmm. If Sebastian fell out with them because Leclerc is outperforming him in a in a Ricardo Red Bull esque scenario, I guess, or a McLaren, yeah, uh, Alonso Hamilton esque mm. kind of scenario. If that were to happen, do you think Vettel's got options for the other part of the question? I'm sure Red Bull would welcome him back with open arms if they needed him. I mean, they're pretty short of drivers at the minute, so yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a team on the grid that wouldn't take a full-time world champion. Um, whether they're teams he'd want to go to is a different question. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I couldn't see him at McLaren. I don't imagine he'd want to go there. It's more a question of where would Vettel want to go. And yeah. Mercedes could be a good fit. He's German. Mercedes are German. You know? I would still love to see Hamilton and Vettel swap places at some point. Yeah it, yeah, it could be good to see Vettel at Mercedes. I agree with that. It happening while Lewis is still there, I think is a no. No. I, I think no, Lewis no, would no, need no, to have no, gone. No. So. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure Vettel would want to do that either. Yeah. Nah, he, so wouldn't. he wouldn't. There's potential for him to have other places should he need them. However, where he'd want to go and what would be available, I guess, is another matter. Yeah. Um, anything right. else? No. Oh, wait. We have one more, which is um, <laughs> this is one this is thing. one of your <laughs> one of your favorite segments. I think um, it's it, well, it's actually been renamed. It's now the uh, the Giovanni Lavaghi commenting <laughs> epidemic, which was formerly known as the Jean Denis Delatraz posting experience. <laughs> um, okay. okay. I will. I think I've sussed the relevance of Lavaghi, but I will explain that in a moment once I've read the comments so the comment is uh, Lewis Hamilton potentially winning another championship may be boring but it's important to remember that F1 is better when Ferrari fans on Facebook are upset (laughs) ouch (laughs) I think that could be in relation to Stu's interesting segment where he read out Facebook comments (laughs) last time out Uh, um uh, also said a shout out to Lance Stroll for being an inspiration to billionaires everywhere thanks to him now dozens of kids around the world uh, know that they can get whatever they want in the world no matter how mediocre they are as long as you are disgustingly rich one day I hope to fly into chicanes and walls with reckless abandon while sitting in a car whose internal combustion engine is powered in time, entirely by burning money <laughs> not a fan then not a fan of Stroll which leads me to the Giovanni Lavaghi reference which he was a driver in the 90s who literally bought a seat we talk about pay drivers now who bring sponsorship he literally went to i think it was minardi and said i want to race for you for five races and he literally bought the seat for five races that's that's shocking that and i don't from (laughs) from memory i don't think he ever managed to Qualify. Yeah, qualifying start. I've seen videos of him in like practice qualifying and he was, as you'd expect, abysmal. 
I actually think he was one of the reasons they bought in the super license. Yeah, because really? it was like like he was dangerous. I suppose you can't just have anyone rocking up, can you? No, it was my, it was my, properly dangerous. My favourite part about this comment is the nuance um, of him saying, "Thanks to him, now dozens of kids around the world, <laughs> literally dozens, <laughs> literally of dozens of kids, good children work. of billionaires. Yeah, this is great. Give us more, send us more. You're making our show better. <laughs> this is yeah. brilliant. I, I like that the Jean Denis Delatraz posting experience did only last three to four episodes in the same way Jean Delatraz, yeah, racing Very, career um, lasted three to four races. On brand. I like, I like the detail that that poster has, whoever they may really be. Yeah. Um, predictions. I suppose we should get through these. Yeah. More of a case of noting who did well from a listener point of view, as between the three of us, we scored Bupkus. Yep. Hot zero between us lot. So I won't even mention it. We all did terribly. Um, yeah. As for you guys, um, some different names at the top actually this week. Uh, equal top um, scoring two points apiece was uh, John Barwise, Sarah Simpson. Mark Alvarez, Emmanuel R10, and our championship contender, Henrik Lindoff. Um, so for the overall standings, uh, that moves Henrik within two and a half points now of our leader, Oleg Sidorov, uh, with Dominic Poole another half a point behind, and Eric Richardson a further point behind. It's all still super close at the top. Yeah, worth, worth noting as well that... Not many people got number of finishes or Nico Hulkenberg's position. Um, Tim Stroyer was the only person to get anywhere near number of finishes with there being so yeah. many. As he was the only person to say eighteen, which earned him half a point. And only two people got Nico Hulkenberg's tenth correct, which were Stewie Roper and Austin Kavanagh. So kudos to you guys on those. Yeah. Only twenty people scored anything. In fact, this week there are a whole yeah. lot of zeros. Yeah, there's a lot of zeros. Um, Tim Stroyer, if you ever have a child. Make sure you call it D, because that, <laughs> <laughs> that is providing we're pronouncing Stroyer correctly. <laughs> I can't. I'm only. I'm going it. I'm going from what you're saying. I can't see where they are, <laughs> and that's my contribution. <laughs> I suppose if you would like to make a contribution as a listener, there is an easy way to do so. That is by heading to backofthegrid.com where you can enter the Predictions League and send us comments through the contact form. You can head to Twitter, which is at backofthegridf1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid, and you find us on Instagram, which is at backofthegrid. Um, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe when it comes to the podcast. Every share every like and every subscribe really does make a difference because it helps promote the show to others and i think that is it for this week isn't it gentlemen it's been a bumper episode considering we thought the race didn't have a huge amount to talk about (laughs) yep there we go they don't always have to be uh wheel bangers for us to have a lot to say that is true i mean we did go off on a massive tangent about (laughs) tires didn't we so Yeah, (laughs) and before we do another one, goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. <laughs> <In> it, ah! <laughs> it's just a p- perpetually like recording episodes like, just for all the time. It's so like 
in a complete flip side of not pushing the button long enough last week, today I pressed it twice. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of sick hell is that where we're just recording back-to-back podcasts? Your entire life is just one long podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 672 of Back of the Great. We're in week three of the season. Just hear a a gunshot and then nothing. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.